This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! And it's down the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. Hey, everybody. Matt Bagley here with you. Justin Hopkins alongside me in the studio. Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. Check it out. iTunes, uh, Google, Stitcher. I've seen it. I've seen it all over the place. Pretty much wherever you want to listen to your podcasts. Anyway, that's all the window dressing. Get that out of the way. I got to talk about this Ducks team, man. I don't know where to start. The dominant statement win over USC or the statement that the committee sent last night? Uh, yeah, both. Yeah, I mean, I I, <clears throat> I guess I, I really do applaud the committee because it certainly seems like they backed up what they said. You know, hey, these are the, these are the things we're looking for. This is how we're grading teams. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I totally see uh, – I see it. I, I think Oregon's fairly at number seven. I think that's 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 where I expected him to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're optimistic if you said six, but we're talking about one spot here. I mean, right. at the end of the day, I think that's going to work itself out. Um, as far as USC goes, man, I, I just like uh, just like overseeing my message board. Doing a podcast after a win is so much easier. <laughs> it really is. You know, it's just it, you know everybody's more upbeat. There's a lot more positivity. There's more things to talk about. You know, when Oregon loses or they lose bad, it's kind of like, ish, you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I think it makes our job easier a little bit on this side of things. The amazing thing to me watching that USC game Saturday night. Now, I know some people freaked out after the Herbert interception and USC's getting up on him quick. When I saw the first defensive stand and USC scores a touchdown, but they have to break through a crap ton of pressure to do it, Right, I knew... Oregon's going to win this game because that defense was bringing heat all night. Yeah, I think the key there to me was, uh, you know, yeah, you saw USC score, but they had to earn it. You know, I think it was a 12-play drive, if I recall correctly. Right. Uh, And and it was a good drive. I mean, it was a well-managed drive. It set Slovis up for success. Um, You know, at the end of the day, Oregon kept everything in in front of them, made them dink and dunk. And you knew, I mean, I I think you knew if you're Oregon or you're a – a veteran football X's and O's guys, you're going to play those percentages. You're going to say, hey, look, you know what? USC is most dangerous when they're lobbing it deep and making those big plays. If they're going to have to beat us with, you know, 70, you know, 70 completions to beat us, which is what it would have taken, you're going to take those odds. So, you know, I'm like you. I like the pressure they were able to generate. Um, You know, I even wrote uh, before the game, I fully expect USC to score on their first drive. I would be surprised if they didn't. I mean, that's just been Oregon's MO. They've, you know, the, the defense has given up a touchdown, I think, three or four of the last games in a row, if I recall correctly. Right. And then they make the adjustment. I mean, they, you know, and so it's to me, it's one of those things where, okay, if they score, don't panic. Let's see how this plays out. We saw how it played out. I mean, and to give you something to be pretty happy about, if you have a team that adjusts like that, you know what it means. Yeah. It means that. A, your coordinator knows what he's doing. Right. Kudos to Andy Avalos. But B, you've got to communicate all those little adjustments to your positions. Yeah. And that's where your position coaches really thrive. Yeah. 
No, I think you hit the nail on the head. The biggest key is communication. If you're able to get that communication in, if you've practiced those things that you're communicating, you know, and I think that's one of the things I've heard is that, you know, the, the players have mentioned, Hey, we, we practice that situation in practice. It wasn't foreign to us. It's not like, Oh my gosh, we got to do a, a, you know, two minute drill. It's like, we do that every week, you know, every other practice, whatever the case might be. You know, if you're preparing your players for that, like I said, they go out in a game and whether it's a defensive adjustment or an offensive adjustment, you're just not throwing curveballs out there or, or really not throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks. You're doing, you know, things you've practiced that, you know, work. So um, it's just uh, it, it's it's refreshing to see that this Oregon team is successful on the road and that, uh, yeah, they had a lot of penalties in that game, which which does stick out a little bit, but I expected that. I mean, I expected it to be chippy, and it was. Um, I mean, you've got a lot of SoCal guys going against guys they've either played against in high school or played with on a seven-on-seven team or just, you know, very familiar with one another. Right. You knew there was going to be a lot of pride and bragging rights in that one. And, uh, I mean, I mean, Oregon put it to them. And I, and I think I'm willing to give some of that the benefit of a doubt this was a blowout game. Yeah. If you're doing this in a one-score game, now we got a problem. Yeah, hurting and, yourself. And I think, like you said, part of it is a local connection. Guys have their family in the L.A. Coliseum. Yeah. They want to show off in front of friends and fans and family. The other side of it is, think about the Wazoo game last year. Similar situation yes. heading into that game where you're coming off big wins. You are looking ahead to the Rose Bowl, and the playoff, and then you get your ass beat in Pullman. Like, this year, I think, if anything, they were a little too focused for this game. Yeah, no, I mean, that, I, I, yeah, I got, can you ever be too focused, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> too, too amped. Up. Yeah, yeah, no, they were. I was certainly amped up, and, uh, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I mean, Oregon got chippy. They let their emotions get ahead of them, but... I mean, you're seeing a team that, that, that gets spirited like that. You applaud it. You enjoy it. Right. I mean, there's a fine line. That's the hard part is there's a fine line. You want those guys playing hot and heavy like that, but they also have to control themselves. Unfortunately, like you said, it's a blowout, so we don't talk about the ejections or the plus 100 penalty yards. And, and yeah, again, the, the some of the penalties were questionable. Again, I think that's two weeks in a row. Oregon was on a, on the tough side of things, if you will. But right. You got to play through them. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to play through them. You have to expect them. Uh, and I mean, this team. I guess that's the most impressive thing to me, uh, as we prepare to get our guest on. By the way, just so you know, um, is that this team finds so many different ways to win, on the road, at home, air raid opponent, win in the second half, win on the last drive, blowout by halftime. I mean, I don't know. You. I mean, we've seen so many different scenarios present themselves. And they've managed to win every one of them. That is really good discipline. That's a tremendous uh, attribute to the culture. It just says a lot about where this program is at mentally, in my opinion. I think they're in a great place. So do you. So does the committee. Seven in the country. And you mentioned our guest. Yes, it's time. He's ready. Oh He's got God. a busy day, so we got to. Uh, are we, we going to tease this beforehand, or are we just going to jump? No, right we got. In you got to intro him. We got to intro him. Okay. I mean, yeah, we know we got to. All right, I yeah. have to. I have yeah. to. Just anytime I get to talk to this guy, I literally said on my show last night, it is a blessing and an honor in my career to work with you, so that I can speak with the guy we're going to have on the phone line right now. Yeah, it's time to get Coach Cristobal on. He just did his uh, uh, media 
conference there in Eugene. He's going to spend a few minutes with us. Uh, I know he's busy. Even though it's a bye week, these coaches don't take any time off, hitting the road, recruiting, doing other things. They had practice yesterday. Um, there's a lot going on there. But, yeah, we're going to get a few minutes of Coach Cristobal's time and just uh, and just kind of see where things are at with, uh, with this Oregon program. Mario Cristobal. We're the only ones that get this, by the way. You're not going to find this on the uh, the nine other Ducks podcast. Just here. Scoop yeah. Duck and Hi-Fi. He's Mario Cristobal, coach of the Ducks here on Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. Coach, we just spent about five, ten minutes boasting about your defense. It, it blows me away. But the other side of the ball needs some praise, too. How about what Justin Herbert and those guys did on Saturday? What impressed you the most? Well, I just think for uh... – for a good four weeks now, just um, every single week, we've gotten better and better and have made a lot of explosive plays. Uh, third down production uh, just continues to elevate uh, the precision of the passing game, uh, the RPO, the way we've been running the ball, the amount of pride in finishing blocks, just everything um, is clicking. You know, we uh, I think everyone now is feeling really in sync and comfortable with the scheme and the scheme adjustments we make. So um, it's fun to watch these guys play. We're becoming a really tough team to defend. Uh, Coach, I know that we're never, never going to beat out the offensive line coach uh, in you. And just from from where I sit, from what I see, uh, I don't think the offensive line was bad to start. That's not what I'm saying. But it seems like they've really, really come on strong the last few weeks. Maybe guys were dinged up and and getting fully healthy now. Has that been a very key part of the success offensively? Without a doubt, I mean those guys are playing on an extremely high level. I think week week in and week out, they are some of the highest graded guys in the country at their respective positions. And you know we uh, we're starting to get some chunk plays on the ground against some good defenses. And a lot of it is just because of the the pride in executing things at the level that they're doing. It is it's just fun to watch, man. It's physical. It is uh, on point in terms of assignments and mentally and. It's um, you know how much I love old line play, man. These guys just want to watch play. Uh, I want to ask you about Justin Herbert, and I won't and I won't dodge here. I won't duck you, but I will say it, at times I've been a little bit critical of Justin Herbert in certain decisions. But on Saturday, uh, I believe I feel like we saw a, a different Justin Herbert, a guy who really kind of took took things and went running slow start but the way he finished and almost some of that swag he played with on the sideline not really something that I believe we've seen much out of Justin Herbert uh this year or in his career is is that somewhat fair to say is he really maybe starting to come out of his shell a little bit I I think Justin's the best quarterback in the country I'm very vocal and open in saying that just because I've watched him um in the last few years here now this being my third year here at Oregon and I just don't see a guy out there that has the, the amount of pride, the amount of his diligence, his attention to detail is off the charts. Now, this guy, he's been placed in about as difficult circumstance over the past few weeks as, as you can imagine, and has taken some shots, too. And all he does is just get tougher and get better. And, you know, he's taken control of being able to, to flood protections to be able to um, put us in advantage runs to be able to, to check certain plays to give him a better throw, a better target. Uh, I mean, he's. I think he's doing an awesome job. Coach, you mentioned Justin's trajectory and you rave about the growth of your offensive line. I, I think about the growth of this football team in your tenure, and it reminds me of a question we asked Kelly Graves the last time we had Kelly on. Uh, we asked him about 
how far ahead his program was and, and whether they were on track in his mind. I want to turn that around on you. Did you expect the Ducks to be where they are right now in your tenure? I think our entire program, all the people involved as players, coaches, administrators, I think we all did just because the blueprint that we have gone to is one that really demands excellence and you're going to just get better and better sometimes exponentially, sometimes in smaller increments, but everyone in the organization is getting better. They're developing. It's just a highly, a high developmental process and the talent acquisition is just getting better each year as well. So when you add a, a strong culture to that, it's hard not to improve. Um, and we're really, there's, we're not slowing down. We're only picking up steam. We're only gaining momentum. We're only more motivated to get better and hungrier and driven to, to make sure we put our, our best foot forward. And, and we still feel we haven't played and, and done our best. So the best is yet to come. Coach, you, you hit on something that you can't quantify. And so there's no stat for it. There's, no, there's nothing to, to measure it, but it, it's culture, like you said. And that's something that stuck out to me about this season. Uh, coming in with our intro of you, Coach, mentioned you know that this team has found so many different ways to win games on the road, at home. You know, coming back from behind, last you know last minute drives, just so many different ways. And and we feel that that lends a lot of uh, credit to the culture uh, that you've established. What have been some of the keys in establishing that? I know it all starts with you, but there's so many other things that go into it besides your leadership that are required to do what you've done so far. Well, I think our guys have just they've taken ownership of the entire process and you know we get on edge and we stay on edge and we understand that nothing but our very best is going to be good enough and that there is no circumstance there is no bad play tough play a tough call we a tough injury there's nothing that we can't overcome and in other words the tougher it gets the better we play i mean those guys they'll just that resonates with our guys and they feel it and they feel it because uh not just to say it not just because they want to wish it because they've worked it into reality from the time invested in the weight room and uh, the mindset program, uh, the strength and conditioning department, and, of course, practice. So they, uh, they're playing with the right type of juice and momentum, and, and we again, we all feel that we still need to and we'll get better. Uh, I don't want to ask any specifics about injuries. I, I really just kind of want an overview of how you feel your, your team is uh, from a health standpoint, I know a lot of that comes from Co- Coach Feld and the fourth quarter program and his team of strength conditioning guys, uh, Shad Williams, all those guys working really hard for you. Overall, everybody's dinged up. You know that. I know that. Uh, everybody's got some injuries here and there. But but for you, from what you see from your team, top to bottom, how are you feeling about everybody overall heading into this uh, final stretch? I think we're doing pretty well. I mean, we're, we're playing uh, or we're practicing uh, with, with a really physical mentality this week, but we're also being smart about it. We want to make sure that the guys that need a ton of reps are going to get them. We have to keep developing guys in every facet of our program to be able to win, to be able to be one and know at the end of every week. But, um, you know, at the same time, we're making sure that you know, we're increasing the amount of time we spend on mobility in the weight room, that we uh, our flexibility and, and that our nutrition levels are as high as they could possibly be, that we're getting the right kind of rest. But when we go, in practice, when it's time to go and be physical and knock each other back, we're going. And I know that that's kind of old school thinking and people are always trying to, you know, cut back on certain things. It's important to our football team to maintain our edge and to stay sharp and to stay focused during this time. So 
we're trying to enhance every part of our program, you know, mentally, physically, um, and we feel we're getting that out of our bye weeks. Uh, Coach, I got a super quick one here. You're, you're, uh, which play are you more fond of offensively? Are you more fond of inside zone or power ball? Well, I think they're they're, you know, inside zone is is kind of, is power ball. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's it's gap opposite. You know, if you if you talk to offensive line coaches out there, so um, I I like different ways of attacking people, and every single one of the ways in attacking them has something to do with playing with power. I don't, I don't I again I don't know, I think everyone has different ways of attacking defenses. I think if you don't play with power eventually you're going to get exposed. Someone's going to knock you back. And if you get knocked back, it's, it's hard to get your offense going forward, <laughs> and it's hard to play with confidence. So that's, that's my, my, my opinion. I love hearing this X's and O's chat, and, and I know you guys always joke every time we've had you on, Coach, about how you can't really take the line coach out of you. How hard is it for you to – to focus elsewhere you got great wideouts on this team you got a d line kicking butt right now pinning their ears back getting to the quarterback how tough is it for you to to look outside your line i mean i spend a ton of time with the offensive line but i also i also bounce around a little bit and make sure that uh heavily involved in special teams i mean i i always want to be involved in that i think the head coach has to um, I do a ton of work with the offensive scout team because that's a chance to really have a developmental squad right there with you, right? You could actually spend time developing guys while you're giving the defense a good look. Um, but, you know, I, I just I do whatever the team and this organization feels that I can help most at. And uh, those are some of the different parts of it. And, of course, uh, I mean, a day is a, it's a 19, 20-hour day. It doesn't change. You know, there's a lot of stuff to do. But, you know, while you're on the field, you've got to make sure that you are focusing on the things that, where, you, where you know you could help your team be better at. Obviously, it's clicking for Juwan Johnson of late, having a couple big weeks. Um, anything in particular there that's, uh, you know, really made that transition for him, Coach? Or is it almost just a simple matter of, of getting healthy and knocking that rust off? It's that simple got healthy, knocked the rust off, and now he's back to the form that he had shown during the springtime. And, um, yeah, you know, obviously you would have loved to have all those guys healthy game. Uh, when we started the season, we went several weeks without, you know, a good number of our receiving core. And uh, so, you know, due to the, the injury of Jake Breland and, you know, some of the other things that have transpired, it's great to have him back healthy and playing at such a high level. Earlier, Coach, we had talked about the value of position coaches and, and especially with regards to the defense of how they're able to relay adjustments and translate that to each group of the field in that USC game. But I, I think about your wideout coach, Coach Booknight, and what he's able to do. How about this? True freshman wideout, grad transfer wideout, no problem. He's making it work and, and, and turning these kids into contributors. What have you loved about Coach Booknight this year? Yeah, Bo's done a really good job. Number one, being a great teacher, mentor, disciplinarian, and a guy that at the end of the day is just going to you know work at doing everything he can to put his guys in the best position to make plays. So when guys feel that you are busting your behind to make them better and they get good results, the buy-in just happens naturally, right? And then you can continue to coach them hard and demand more of them. So He's done a really, really good job since he's got here. Uh, Coach, uh, obviously the defense has been the talk this season. Uh, Coach Avalos done a wonderful job coming over from Boise. I know he's very well respected inside that building. 
Um, credit there, but I also got to think that you might have one of the best defensive staffs top to bottom, uh, you know, besides Andy Avalos. You got Keith Hayward. I know he's been with you. You got Dante Williams doing the corners. Uh, you've got Coach Wilson, Coach Salivea. It seems as though you have one of, I don't know, maybe ever that you've worked with, but uh, it sounds like your defensive assistants are just a really good group of guys, and it seems like they're working really well, well together. Is that something you've seen this season that helps with the success? Yeah, I've watched well, that way about our entire staff, really, talked about our special teams as well, and our analysts. And we're very selective when we go and hire somebody. We put them through the grind now. <laughs> and to get uh, an opportunity here, you better buckle up and, and you better put on some track shoes for an interview because it's going to be a long couple days. And we're gonna we're gonna get take a deep dive into what it takes to be an Oregon Duck and a member of this organization. So we feel I feel extremely blessed to be surrounded by these awesome men and, and also women like you know Cody Look and Cassie Noyer that work inside the building as well in operations and whatnot. Um, we we have awesome 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 people that are driven hungry and just get after it brother and that's what it takes at this level coach this is year two of you being Oregon's head coach uh what would you say at this point I know there's still a lot of road left and a lot of uncertainties what would you say at this point has been uh, maybe the one or two things that you've learned the most from last year to this year maybe just in your personal growth as a head coach um I think that uh, the importance of recruiting and retaining elite staff members is always going to be at the forefront of any head coach's itinerary and priority list. I think that's huge. I think um, really understanding how the mindset of our team um, affects the way they play because our investment in sports psychology and mental training has been through the roof this offseason. Um I continue to, to learn and understand more and more every year that relationships trump everything else. You have to always have a feel for the pulse of your team, and you always, uh, you know, I feel like we've just confirmed more things than anything else as uh, as time goes on. But I think uh, you're always learning. Gosh, the list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, how you use the off season, the amount of places that we visited, travel to to enhance our schemes to look for answers to improve our processes right Oregon had a problem playing on the road for a long time and last year we got a little bit better this year we're getting significantly better at it and we still need to get better at it and that has everything to do with what's between the ears you know the mindset the approach and so Anyway, so, sorry to give you a long, boring answer, but there's a lot. <laughs> you hit on the approach, Coach, uh, and and I, I love that word in football. you got a room full of guys, and, and you got to get them to buy in. Uh, what's the approach this week for the bye week? you got to be 1-0 for the bye week. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, we always feel that whether we're having a meeting or we're having a practice or a walkthrough, we, we have to be 1-0 for that particular obligation or assignment. It's, uh, we, we know that the other stuff like drifting, looking ahead, lacking a sense of detail, we learned last year that that just doesn't work for us, right? Last year at this time, we had won a really big game against Washington, and then you know what? It just, we didn't handle success real well, and we had to feel some, some heavy-duty consequences. Well, our guys learned from that. Sometimes you have to learn your consequences. Sometimes you have to feel them. Well, we felt them, and we felt them hard. And we don't want that feeling anymore. And so our guys are completely just 
dedicated and committed to making sure that those plane rides back, like the one from USC this past weekend, and the locker room trips after you know playing Washington State at home, that those are just really big time happy moments. A couple more questions, Coach, and we know you got a busy day, so we're going to get you out of here. But uh, USC game in particular, approaching halftime and coming out of halftime, uh, you know, about eight minutes or so there. Oregon's absolutely killing it. I think you guys have done it the last few weeks in a row. What what what's what's working there? Why? I mean, just what's what's kind of going on in the middle of that game that really just you know has set you guys up for success at least uh, in these last few games. Yeah, it's all adjustments. I mean, we 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 go and the coaches they all do a great job, you know. And, and Coach Avalos and Coach Aurora, they're the coordinators, but all those other guys you mentioned, like Coach Hayward, Dante, Salavea, Ken Wilson. Same thing goes for for Mastro Mirabal. Coach Bo, Bobby Williams, I mean, these guys are really, really just high IQ football coaches. And our players are awesome about just taking in information, and they're awesome about doing whatever it takes to win. And when you have that combination, you're able to communicate and and make adjustments on the run like that, you're going to have success because we're seeing something different every single week. People are throwing different looks, different coverages, disguises at us, pressures, and if you just practice what a team is showing you on film, I think you're, you're missing the boat. We practice that, and we practice the things that over the course of the last seven years, wherever we've been at, that have given us problems, knowing that at some point in time, someone's going to bring that to the table again. So it's going to show up in, on game day. And um, because we do that, we're able to, to make an adjustment on the run and, and have success. Uh, Coach, earlier you mentioned the, or, or we at least talked about briefly the the development squad and you know the, basically the next wave up. I know recruiting is a big part of what you do, but you've got some guys on the team that aren't starters that that might be redshirting. Uh, you know they get a lot of time on Fridays. I know uh, who who uh, if there's one or two names or, or two or three or who's kind of got you a little bit giddy. Uh, you know, that's not seeing the field a lot right now, but kind of coming through and really developing. I know that's a big part with you is, is development and football being a development sport. Who's developed maybe from the start of this season to now at this point, Coach? Man, I, I think there's a lot now. I mean, I'll start with oh, – let's, let's start up front first, you know, with <laughs> Keon and Christian, Brandon Dorless, you know, Isaac Townsend, uh, Trevin. I think those guys are going to be, like, <laughs> excellent I mean, I'm talking about big-time football players. So fired up about Jonah and Salah. I mean, you're looking at two big, massive guys that are explosive, athletic as can be, and could go. Patrick Herbert is one that I know you haven't seen. Patrick's going to be a superstar here. Um, I could go right to the linebackers. You know, I know Drew's finally getting some playing time. Excited about Drew. Excited about Gmon. I think those guys are going to be really good players for us. You guys have seen Michael, you know, tear it up, but this DJ James guy, Jamal Hill, these guys are legit now. These guys are really, really good football players. They're going to do great things. And today, Sean Dollars took one to the house, and I was like, man, do we need to play him right now. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> I, if you look at that, there's not a single guy in that class where you don't think, man, that guy's going to that guy's going to help us. You know, and like Lance and and uh, Jr. are healthy this week, and. Well, healthy enough to at least participate in drills, and you're looking at them going, "Damn, you know we we've you know we've we've done a good job enhancing the roster. Now we got to get these guys completely healthy and understanding what they're doing, so they could really help us." So, you know, Quez Quez is going to be a great player as well. And there's there's just a lot, man. I don't, I, I'd hate to single out 
well, I've, I guess I've singled out a, what about twenty guys so far. <laughs> a bunch, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just. Um, but that's a good problem to have. I think so. You know, I think so. I mean, these guys are special, and they want to be really well. You saw Cam Lewis today. Cam Lewis hit a fifty-yarder while he was surrounded by the entire team, yelling and screaming, providing noise, trying to get him off track, and boom, just nailed it at fifty, and could have been good from sixty, sixty plus. So I just really, really fired up about all these guys, man. You know, it's uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun spring. Uh, Coach, I want to segue here. Uh, there's two more things I want to hit on. They're going to be quick. Uh, well, as quick as you want them to be. But one is recruiting. And I know that that's at the forefront of, of a lot of things you do. Obviously, I know the team's first, but you got to recruit. What uh, I, I guess the broad question is, uh, you know, what's worked? You guys uh, seemingly, you know, relatively full in this year's class for the most part. I know you got a little bit of work left to be done, but you know, what's kind of worked, and uh, I guess maybe, if you will, what are you looking for to kind of round out this class a little bit? I think what works for us is is we're just, we're us. We just, we don't change. We don't change our message. We don't change who we are. We're, we're just legitimately real and honest, and we're passionate about Oregon. We love Oregon. We love living here. We love, you know, being a member, members of this organization, and we just believe in each other and everything that's going on here. So, we feel privileged. We feel honored. And I think that comes out of us. You see it in our eyes. You see it in our demeanor. You see it in our presentations that that's how we feel. And I think people feel that, you know, and, and this recruiting class, you know, we, we, um, got, we, we need to close it out strong. We feel that we are on our way to closing it out strong. It's going to be another great class. Um, you know, obviously nothing is official until those papers come in, but I don't know if I could comment on what exactly it is we're looking for, but I know there's a couple guys that could just make a, the ultimate difference here, and more quicker than than later, sooner than later. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm fired up to uh, I, I just fired up, man. I can't. I guess I I don't know the rules. I can mention what I can, but I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I think the more generic you are, the better off you are. So that's <laughs> we definitely want to keep you on the right side of things, Coach. Right. But. Uh, Appreciate you, man. Yeah, last thing here, we're going to send you <laughs> off. Uh, this becomes a topic at this point of the year. I know you 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 block it out, you do your best, but and I'm not looking for any certainties here. But just from what we see and what we hear, not just in this podcast, you certainly seem very content, in Eugene. Your wife seems to love Eugene. I, I know your I know your boys love it, in Eugene. Uh, your name's going to come up here and there, and you can't control that. But just for those fans listening, you, you can't speak in absolutes, but it certainly seems like you're a guy that seems really happy in Eugene at the at the moment, Coach. Is that pretty fair to say? Yeah, brother. There's no drama here. I'm a duck. All right. That's well, it. That's, that's it, it yeah. right there. <laughs> See, I was holding out because I knew, I knew you were going to ask that question. Oh, you, okay. Well, we didn't talk, but no. No, Coach, we appreciate I your time. I think a lot of times around the country people try to – get dramatic about this time of year. I think this time of year is crazy. I think people make a lot out of nothing and some other stuff. And look, you, you know what we're focused on. You know what we're doing. And we show, we don't just talk about it. We show it in everything that we do. And we are completely just committed, just immersed and in doing everything humanly possible to make the University of Oregon the best it could possibly be. So, um, and we're going to continue to do so and nothing's going to get in the way of that. Awesome, Coach. No, we appreciate it. Duck fans appreciate hearing that. And uh, I know we don't need to wish you luck this Saturday, but maybe luck, good luck this week in recruiting, staying 1-0, and and then uh, and then next week uh, going 1-0 as well. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Go Ducks. I knew it. I knew it. Like well, I, I had this thought in my head. 
it would be perfect for Mario to come on today because everybody is talking about Florida State and you know the Miami job potentially and the USC job and all this stuff, all this. I mean, even I'm doing it on my radio show. Right. And it would be perfect for Mario Cristobal to come out and just say, hey, I'm a duck. I mean, I, I and he does. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and bash Willie Taggart and anything that's gone on there from Oregon since, you know, when you get Mario Cristobal, uh, love him or hate him, you know what you get. You know, I mean, I think he's yeah. pretty upfront. I think if there was interest, uh, sincere interest, if you will, anywhere else from any other programs, anything of that nature. I mean, he's not going to come out and say it, but I think you'd get a letter, a little better idea of what's going on there. And and that's why I asked the question. I mean, everything I've heard is, I mean, like, yeah, his name's going to get linked. I mean, he's done a terrific job in the two years he's been at Oregon. He's turned the roster really upside down, uh, recruited incredibly well. Now you've got a team in your second year that's in the playoff consideration. I guess we could say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's what's not to like about, you know, what he's built? I, and that's the thing. It's not it's not that Mario Cristobal has come to Eugene and built a team of, of flash and little substance. It's the opposite. This thing's being built for the long haul. I mean, right. it, it's not just, a, oh, we're going to win this year and catch the, the Pac-12 on a down year, whatever the case might be. I mean, you go and look across you know, the line, both, both, you know, both lines of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line, you know, they're recruiting well there. They're, they're filling holes, I guess is the key. You know, I I think that's the biggest, I'm a recruiting guy. You know, I pay attention to this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my biggest gripes is when I see Oregon has a top 15 ranked class, but it's got seven whiteouts in it. Well, you're not going to play seven whiteouts and you have three offensive line commits. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's like, Hey, you got to balance. You got to fill holes. And, you know, maybe Mario Cristobal's not perfect, but he's really doing his best to try and fill as many of those holes along the way and not just, hey, well, we can get, you know, five four-star linebackers. Let's take them. Well, only two of them are going to help you. Right. I mean, what are you going to do with the other three guys? Right. I mean, proof to that, there's a quarterback coming in every year. Mm -hmm. There's an offensive lineman and a darn good one coming in every year. Yeah. We've already seen the impact on the D-line, Mace Funa, Kayvon Thibodeau. They're they're rounding out the roster consistently every every summer. Yeah, and I think you hit offensive line. If we go and look in and say, you know, what does Oregon need in 2019? Okay, well they really didn't need an offensive lineman, right? They technically, you know, the old theory was, you know, one in one out. So if you got, you know, if you got one guy graduating or going to the NFL or leaving early, you'd replace him with a scholarship player in recruiting. But no, instead, you know, Mario Cristobal is looking in your head like, okay, well, I don't have anybody going out this year, but heck, next year I've got, you know, four or five guys that are taking off. So he goes ahead and bridges the gap a little bit with a Jonah Tawanu'u. Come in and develop for a year. Be ready in your second year. Uh, you know, Asala Amave, probably a luxury at that point, but you potentially could redshirt him this year, and he can step into a starting role next year. Instead of him stepping in in his first year, He's had a year under the program, under the strength mm-hmm. and conditioning program, learning the playbook, getting to know the team. You know what I mean? Just so many different dynamics. Right. It's just being a step ahead. And um, anyways, I knew that it feels like we're just giving Mario Cristobal a lot of love, but it's hard not to when you talk to him because yeah. we didn't we didn't give him any lead way on what we were going to ask. We didn't tell him any of the questions. We said, hey, you know, you're going to have you on. Here's what time. And he said, OK, cool. And off we went. Yeah. So you get honest and sincere answers like that. And I've said before, 
I've called him the CEO of Duck Football. Of course. Because like, he laid it out. That's really his job. Yep. He's working with everybody, and he's working with every facet of the Ducks organization, managing his coordinators, his position coaches, and his players. When the CEO of Duck Football says, yeah, I want to jump on your podcast, you make it happen. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, there was no doubt we were going to get him and take advantage of a bye week. And, of course, we appreciate Coach Chris Ball taking his time out. But um, And he even talked about kickers. We didn't have to ask him no, about yeah. the, the kicker battle. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the three-headed <laughs> kicker battle. No, uh, no, just just good stuff. And I think, you know, for me, you know, to hear him talk about the team and stuff could be a little bit repetitive if you listen to all this. But just to hear him talk about the guys on the development squad and some of the things they're doing inside the building and, and you know, the growth from year one to year two, you know, I think there's a lot of layers there to the program, and you just kind of get a little better feel for what what's going on inside those offices because that's the key. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we see on Saturday, you know, whether it's a win, a loss, a struggle, a blowout, whatever, I mean, there's so much work and preparation that's gone into that. Um, you know, obviously, I believe in this case, you're seeing a lot of hard work pay off. Hey, uh, one more thing, mm-hmm. and and this is a question I couldn't really ask Mario I don't want to be branded as that guy that throws him a trap question, but just from where you sit on the recruiting side and, and seeing the ins and outs of this team, Willie Taggart's in the news. Sure. Play the what-if game. What if Willie Taggart doesn't leave? Is this program as good as they are right now? Uh, no. I mean, they're not. Yeah. They're, they're, I guess here I can resort right back to what I – I said originally about Mario Cristobal, he's not building a program based on sizzle and, you know, and flash. He's building a program of substance. And I think that's the difference between what Coach Taggart, you know, maybe did a little bit and what, you know, and and we go back. The the recruiting class that, that Coach Taggart had started to put together was really a lot of guys that didn't make any sense. I mean, sure, great. It's a four star from Florida. Awesome that you're bringing them in. But did you need another undersized wide receiver? Right. And, going and, after names. Yeah. Not really going after players. Yeah. You're padding your, your recruiting rankings and trying to make it look like you're, you know. And, and so, um, you know, I honestly think Oregon has targeted uh, more diamonds in the rough or guys that, that, you know, maybe other teams aren't quite viewing as, you know, the rankings certainly like a Trey Benson. I mean, that guy, a running back, like, I don't know how you don't watch his film and go like, holy crap, this kid's a top 200 player at or at worst at mm. worst and i mean right i think oregon's done a really good job of of finding the trey bensons and you know and, and you know, i mean you've got some 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 really high ranked recruits but i think they've done a good job um like a a, a, a Fa'ope out of hawaii the six foot eight 350 pound offensive lineman i mean you know you're going to get a guy like in you know and and you might not count on him next year but you're going to be able to transform his body and all of a sudden you've got a six foot eight 330 pound nightmare yeah i mean seriously i mean you know he might not be panay swole but you're probably going to be able to get him to fall forward for two or three yards and just follow that there's a lot of yeah. x's and o's in the world there's not much that can handle six eight three fifty no i i i heard i mean i've said this story before but i heard Mario chris ball talking about when he was at alabama with nick saban's like hey there's a reason there's weight classes in boxing, okay? I mean, the big guy would thump the little guy. Yes. Go find me the big guys. And, you know, I you can't build a team entirely of six foot eight, 350 pounds. You might be a little bit slow, but there's a place for that guy, and then there's a place for the, you know, maybe undersized guy and, and, and transforming his body a little bit the opposite direction. So, 
like you said, he's the CEO of Duck Football. Uh, Oregon's number seven in the country and the first playoff rankings. Uh, you're right where you want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd certainly love to have that first game back, maybe have a, a healthy receiver or two. Uh, right now, if Oregon played Auburn right now, I think Oregon would win. But, I mean, that's a that's a woulda, shoulda, coulda. I agree. Um, it's fine. Oregon's at number seven. That's why you play that tough first game. I think Rob Mullins knew that. That's why he scheduled Auburn early. That's why Ohio State's early on the schedule next year. Play those top teams. You can you can sustain the loss, and that only brings up your strength of schedule. I think the rankings really cemented that theory, Yeah, which we talked about. And, and like you're saying, number seven in the playoff. Yeah. You are unbeaten in the Pac-12. Right. You just had a statement win on national TV. You got another nationally televised game coming up two weeks from now. The state of Oregon football is flawless. And so if anybody's listening to this going, man, you guys are really puffing up Mario Cristobal, that's why. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, I, I have no problem throwing criticisms out there, but there aren't any. Well, okay, I don't want to say there aren't any to throw. Nothing big. But there's not many to throw. Nothing yet. big. Nothing no. worth fighting over. No, there's not many to throw at this point. Uh, I think the USD win, I guess that was, what, what, how do I want to say that? That was like um, good news, bad news. I mean, you go and you throttle USC, bad news. Clay Helton's probably out of a job. Yeah. I mean, realistically. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that I trust USC to make the right hire after this. Oh, no. Everybody thinks it's going to be Urban Meyer, and I'm not. I'm sitting here not so sure that it is. I'm not saying it won't. It, it reminds me a lot of the Florida-UCLA situation with Chip two years ago. Yeah. Where everybody said, oh, Chip's going to go to Florida. Of Oh, Chip, perfect fit for Florida. Yeah. Of course Chip's going to be at Florida. Right. And he goes to UCLA. Right. Here's what it is. You know what this has turned into? This is easy. Urban Meyer is John Gruden. And he's playing him? Well, no. So all these big jobs open up, and before John Gruden went back to the Raiders. Right, right. He was always rumored. Oh, we're year. getting Gruden. We're getting Gruden. Everybody. Tennessee, everybody thinks they're getting Gruden, right? Because he's unemployed. He's just announcing. He's you know. So now Gruden's off the market because he's with the Raiders. Right. So Urban Meyer is now John Gruden. Yeah. Oh, we're getting, we're getting Urban Meyer. Notre Dame fans haven't fired a coach yet. They're going to get Urban Meyer. USC hasn't fired their coach yet. They're going to get Urban Meyer. I mean, that's where we're at. Yeah. And and some of those teams, it's crazy. It's all just fans driving the bus. Like, it is. I said this with Matt Preen. Sort of. Today. Media does it, though, too. The media's, And I get that. Right. So there's an element to that. And I believe Mario Cristobal wanted to allude to it but didn't. There's an element to that. The best way for you to get a pay raise in college football these days is float your name for another job. Yes. No, I totally agree. And I think that's, to me, that's where the analogy makes sense. Of If if that's the case, Herb is going to get a huge raise from ESPN. Well, or, or Fox. Yeah. Right? He's with Fox. He's with Fox. Or he's creating a bidding war. Maybe he actually does want to get back into college. There's no better way to negotiate your contract than to have Notre Dame and USC vie in for your services. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he probably can't get Florida state to throw their hat in the ring just cause I don't know. People seem to think, well, he'll never go coach at Florida state. He, he was at Florida. He doesn't care. He just wants the money. Oh no. If, or, if, if there's one coach that you can safely say has no moral character in college football. Yeah. You're looking at him. He doesn't give two shits. No. Oh, you want to pay me 10 mil a year to coach your team? Okay. I can wear a Knowles hat. That's all he cares about. That's all he cares about. Why wouldn't you go there? All you have to do is beat Clemson. That's it. Mm-hmm. In my mind, the ACC is like it makes so much 
from a distance, it makes so much more sense because I think Oregon's pretty good. Washington's pretty good. Stanford can be good. I just don't think they were this year. They'll be okay mm-hmm. in the future. Um, I mean, if you go to USC, Herm might be building something out there. I don't think he's there yet, but I think he's building something. Oregon State's better than they've been for, I don't know, 10 years now. This is the best Oregon State team we've seen since Mike Riley left. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. yeah. And so, and that's been a decade-ish, right? Or so? Almost, yeah. But he had a couple rough years there. The good Mike Riley years were a few years before he left. Mm -hmm. He cashed in on those. Yeah. And then left that program in really bad shape. Yeah. Anyways, I think the Pac-12 overall has pretty good competition across the board. You got Mike Leach at Wazoo until somebody gets smart and hires him. Do you think, do you you buy the idea that Mike Leach could be a candidate at one of those big jobs? I, you know, I don't. And I think the problem there is not him as a coach. He's such a quirky guy. You go to USC, you got to mess with the boosters. That's a problem for USC that they just, they let the boot. It's the, it's the, uh, the circus is running. Right. You know, the show there. Reportedly, the boosters were the ones that said, we're going to fire Willie Taggart. Right, right. No, no, you're talking about FSU. FSU is the same thing. FSU and USC have a similar problem. They're both let the boosters heavily influence things way too much, which is a major talking point of why Mario Cristobal is certainly very happy at Oregon. You have one booster that you have to deal with for the most part. And honestly, as much as Phil Knight contributes to the Oregon program, He's pretty hands off. He really lets right. this thing kind of go. I think a lot of people misconstrue. Yeah, Phil could probably make a call and say, "Yeah, do this," and mm-hmm. it's done, right? He doesn't do that. That's right. just he just doesn't do that. Um, I think that's an area, and, and not to speak over my head here, because I've never met Phil Knight, never talked to him. That guy has made us so much money, such yeah. a success in business, it, just as a manager, right? Right? He's just practicing good management yeah you don't get involved in every little detail correct yeah there are certain elements where you say hey look i've got the money to support this but i don't know what i'm doing you guys you know yeah and i i think that's another thing he's got such a great relationship i know rob mullins and phil knight have such a wonderful relationship and i believe both uh you know now have a really good uh relationship with mario crispo i think the three of them are just kind of the brain trust of oregon football if you will and they've developed such a good understanding working relationship. I think that I believe that this thing's built for the long haul. And I don't just say that just to blow smoke. I know more. I asked, I asked Mario Cristobal the question for a reason. I know he's very happy in Eugene. He loves it here. His wife, Jessica absolutely loves Eugene. She loves what she's been able to build. Um, they love the schooling that their boys get and the, you know, the, the positive environment and just the life they're able to live here. I know that all those things are true. Now, I'm not saying money won't talk. Of course, money will talk. I mean, but for right now, for probably the foreseeable future, those three are on the same page. Phil Knight, Rob Mullins, Mario Cristobal. And I don't think there's ever going to be a part where Mario Cristobal says, hey, Rob, you need to pay me more money or I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. That's not how he operates. No, that's not. I mean, they're all going to get together and say, hey, look this is the going rate or this is the fair rate for where you're at in your tenure and your success. Let's get you to where you need to be. They're going to have that talk. Well, they have to. Yeah. They're going to have that talk, but they're going to have it as in a non-confrontational way. Like, you know, Hey, does this work for you, Phil? Yep. This works for me. Mario, do you believe this is fair? Yeah. I think that's plenty fair. They're going to, and it's not ever going to be a thing where you need to have this done in 30 days or I'm leaving. Right. It's not going to be that way. So I just think that this thing's built, 
for the long haul, not just with Mar- what Mario Cristobal is doing from a football standpoint. I mean from an administration standpoint, which is a whole different can of worms people just don't appreciate. I think you see, and again, I'll say it again, Mario. we talked about this with Mario Cristobal before. When you make one bad hire on your football team, whether it be a coordinator or, or, or an assistant, that bad salary, that bad contract can really negatively affect what you're trying to do in the, we'll call it the corporate business side of things. The same can be said for your head coach of your football team. Well, or, or Florida State's in a really tough spot. Right. They're writing a really big check for a really bad hire. Yes. Those are the kind of decisions that gets the athletic director fired, first and foremost, fairly. And secondly, such, I don't think people understand how far back FSU is probably getting set back. They can't outbid USC. No, they can't outbid USC. You're correct. Uh, I mean, it would take a mir- it would take a miracle, in my opinion, for them to do that. Secondly, their recruiting has been all flash and sizzle under Willie Taggart the last two years. Whoever comes in has a lot of work to do. They have some talent, but they got a lot of holes to fill. You're not gonna win. You're not gonna win a lot of games. Well, you're in the ACC, so you'll win enough games, but. At that point, Florida State's now got their backs against the wall because of that really bad contract. They're going to have to hope and pray that if they go after a P.J. Fleck or if they go after you know, somebody that's like not quite proven but trending the right way, you're rolling the dice. You really are. Mm-hmm. And you got to hope that it plays out. Or now you've gone with two really bad contracts in a row and you're in really deep shit. Yeah. I, I don't see how the Fleck... If if that's where they go, oh, I don't yeah. see how that makes sense for them. At no, all. I I think that's all. Uh, I think that's a pipe dream. You know, I, I just I, it's yeah. I think Stoops makes a lot of sense. Bob Stoops makes a lot of sense. Uh, Kentucky Stoops makes a lot of sense. Both of those make a lot of sense in my mind. Maybe you look at like a, a Scott Satterfield at Louisville, who's trending the right way. You got to get somebody from the Eastern Seaboard, or at least with Eastern Seaboard ties. Right. You've got to be able to recruit. Well, you got to be able to recruit Florida, of course. But you got to have somebody that knows how to recruit Florida, Georgia, you know, Louisiana. You got to be able to recruit that territory. A lot of questions there, and Mario. Why are we talking about Florida State? Willie Taggart's not even there anymore. Well, it's because you know Mario. <laughs> Mario brought it up. I, Mario brought it up and quashed it, which was perfect. He did, and that's literally. What, yeah, he said, "Hey, I'm a duck." Yeah, that's what Oregon fans want to hear. That's what they needed to hear. Yeah, looking so, ahead to the Vegas Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. What a difference two years makes. Okay. Uh, five games. Yep, five games. All right, let's get to it. Five games. We do this every week. We hit up five non-Oregon games right. that, that do not involve the Ducks. And this week, we even threw in a special asterisk. Five <laughs> fun college football games we think you need to watch. Except for LSU Bama. Yeah, that's a given. I mean, yeah, that was like we would have both put it on there, and it would have just been a neutralizer. So what right. was what was the point? It but, would have turned it into four games. Yeah, basically. That, that's the that's the game you have to watch. We know you're going to watch. Yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. It's gonna be a heck of a ball game. Yeah, yeah. Unless my son's in a playoff game and I'm there watching that, but we'll see. Oh, that's right. Same three A soccer yeah, playoffs tonight. And they're good too. Yeah, they're pretty good. We got Sutherland coming to town tonight. Well, you and I are recording this midday on a Wednesday. His game starts at it's it's a little uh, after one. His game starts at four. So I'll wrap up with you here. Head home. Get That's him. A w. To, get him to the. I hope so, man. Yeah, I hope so. One of their best. Uh, one of scouting report. One of their best players uh, is injured. 
I think he'll play, but he's definitely not 100%. So we'll see. Someday. Uh, one of our best players. I mean, St. Mary's. Right. Yeah. Someday we're going to turn this pod into Matt Bagley talks high school soccer. Because yeah. I can go. Uh, uh, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm there. the guy. My, I mean, yeah, my son's he's he's nervous. He's he's nervous. It's just, he's a freshman starting on varsity, first playoff game. He's nervous. He told me yesterday. So uh, proud of him. I'm, exci- I'm excited. I'm excited to watch them. And uh, anyways, yeah, they're soccer. But yeah, that's cool. Hopefully, I can watch LSU if they win tonight. They probably play Saturday, so I'll have to see what my days are like looking like there. Hopefully, you don't have to travel too far. No, um, I'll go first. Okay, um, Penn State, Minnesota. Yep, yeah, I put that one too. Um, I'm I'm with you. I I think Minnesota's a bit flash and mirrors. I think they're good, but I don't think they're a top twenty team. Right. I, I mean, I think I, I credit PJ Fleck for. Making them a better program, I guess, is what I should say. I don't think they're a top twenty program. No, no, you row the boat, and yeah. uh, this is where the boat gets sunk. And I, I think that one there, uh, Penn State's only a seven point favorite. I think that's easy money mm-hmm. if you're uh, if you're on the gambling side of things. Totally easy money. It's a Friday game, yep. and I friggin' hate Friday games. We talked about Oregon Friday State, game. Washington. Yeah, no, you got to watch that game. I mean, you're gonna watch that game unless you're at one of your kids games or your local high school watching that game because those are equally as important as another Pac-12 Friday football game. It's which so is stupid. Ridiculous. Literally every town in Oregon, mm-hmm. every single friggin' town in Oregon has a high school football playoff game Friday night. Yeah, at least yeah, at least one. Yeah. whether it's 6A or 4A or whatever, yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody, the whole state. Yeah. And let's say you don't, let's say you don't have a son or a daughter who's involved in that and you have no affiliation Friday night, mm-hmm. you, you think about driving to that game. Medford, you got to drive three and a half hours. So you're yeah. not doing that. Right. Portland, you got to deal with I-5 traffic at five o'clock on a Friday night. Right. Have fun with that. And let's face it, uh, Washington and Oregon State aren't in a position where they need the playoff committee or anybody to watch their game. But if that was like, you don't know that before the season starts. Right. So you go and schedule these and you schedule a game Friday at 730. Nobody on the East Coast is watching this freaking football game. No. So just imagine if this was the Washington versus Oregon game and Oregon's where it's at number seven in the country and you put it on a Friday night at 730. That's stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. And 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 we just went out of our way to just crap on this game reason i put it on oh no i don't crap on this game i crap on the scheduling of this game yeah yeah that's larry scott we can crap on him anytime we want okay yeah we don't like larry scott very much you can rename this the larry scott is evil podcast i I think about that one pod we did like a year ago where canzano had just come out with that like five page just bombardment of the pac-12 networks yeah and like broke down their budget line by line and we had just read this maybe 15 minutes before recording and so what was going to be a really fun duck football pod turned into Matt and Justin go into the accounting of the Pac-12 yeah. for an hour. Which, oh, that was something. Which fans pay attention to? It's awful. It's just it's awful leadership. We're talking about or Mario Cristobal being the CEO of football. He's the CEO of the Pac-12. Right. And he's done an atrocious job. Yeah. He can't even get competent refs out there. No. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, Oregon oh, State, Washington. And I think that's a good game for the standings. It's a good game. Good game to watch. Pac-12 fans, uh, just a note there, Washington is a 10-point favorite. I actually think it'll be closer than that. Yeah. I think OSU will hang with them. I'm not saying they'll win, but I think they'll hang with them. I think it's a it's a game. Mario Cristobal used the word momentum to describe the Ducks. If you look at the momentum of these programs, Washington is flattening right yes, now. Yeah. Downward momentum. Yeah. Oregon State, that was the best I've seen from a Beaver team in a long time last week. 
upward trajectory, upward momentum. Do you remember they Washington, beat Chip, Chip Kelly, though, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> They've looked good this year. They've had really good moments. I yeah. agree with you. That was a really good moment. All right. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm rambling. People are going to think that I'm a Beaver fan for all this. Um, he has a Scoop Duck shirt on, just so you guys know. I do. He I am yeah. wearing yeah. the Scoop Duck gear. He's, just he's like repping you. the squad. Yep. Georgia Mizzou. Yep. I had that one as well. Yep. If the Ducks have any shot of making the playoff, you need a game like this. Go Mizzou. You're embracing chaos. Yeah. That's your chance. And at this point, with the with the list, when we can look, this was not a very good college football week. It really, you know, Oregon's not playing on a bye. Obviously, you're going to watch other games. You know, LSU Alabama is a tremendous game, no brainer. All eyes on that one. But coming up with five other ones besides that one was kind of tough. Uh, at this point, we're looking at you know teams you need a little help from. Right now, you need a little help from Georgia, not in a good way. You need them to falter. Right. So yeah, that becomes a game. Georgia is a sixteen and a half point favorite in that one. So that's fair. That's a lot of points. That, that's yeah. fair, though. No, uh, yeah, Georgia should win. There's no question Georgia should win. It's Kirby. It's yeah. all the talent. Yep. They should roll, but we thought the same thing when they played South Carolina. Yep. Embrace chaos. Embrace chaos. Another game that if this would really help the Ducks, Clemson, NC State. Yeah, I, I don't see it, um, but yeah. I mean, I, I for me, I'm less about – so as far as my breakdown or my thoughts, I'm less about Clemson losing – it would be bad because their strength of schedule is abysmal. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they would still likely end up a conference champion with one loss. They'd be dangerous. So you'd probably need them to lose one. I would just count on Clemson getting in. I would hope for, for Georgia to squabble. I would hope for Penn State to squabble. You're, I think you're a big LSU fan this week too. Yeah. yeah. You're hoping those Tigers can seal the deal. Yeah. One last one, and this is just me, the fan. It's kind of like when I watch uh, the men's basketball tournament, I care about upsets, but I'm not so much looking at Cinderella. I want to see what happens when that one seed gets down and how they handle pressure. Against the ropes. Right. I want to see Oklahoma under pressure because I think they need to win out, and I think it starts this week uh, with uh, Iowa State. That's funny. I put that game too. I was I didn't think you would, but yeah, Oklahoma to Iowa State. That's Saturday at five on Fox. Oklahoma's a fourteen and a half point favorite. In that one. I think Iowa State can play them tough, and even if they don't win, playing them tough might be enough. If you you need to keep Oklahoma behind you, they're a team that could put some pressure on you if you're yeah. Oregon. I mean, at the end of the day, Oregon's got to win the football games. It, it all begins and ends there, of course, but. You know, we could talk about I mean, what what else do we have to do. Let's let's fill our time with you know getting to the playoffs. But um, yeah, Oklahoma is a team you got to watch out for. I think even if Iowa State plays them tough, it's enough to keep Oklahoma behind you. I mean, just depending on what else happens. I agree. I'm there. Uh, I put down USC versus ASU. I just a you can get a measuring stick. That was my fifth. Uh, USC versus ASU Saturday okay. at twelve thirty. Uh, ASU is a one and a half point favorite. Uh, it's in the desert. I think you get a chance to, I think you get a chance to kind of get a measuring stick for ASU. Obviously, still on Oregon's calendar. There, uh, got to play them in a couple weeks. You know, see where they're at versus USC. Get a feel for the for them there, and then also get a feel for. I don't know. I think you want USC to win, just because you want any chance you're going to have at Clay Helton staying there. Yeah. Any win might help. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. But To me, it's kind of like how you know the joke in the ACC was you want Florida State to win right. so they keep Willie. Right. Yeah, same thing at USC. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll say this. USC could fire Clay Helton. 
I will. Here's my rant on this. USC can fire, fire Clay Helton. They can hire Urban. They can hire whoever they're going to hire. I, st- I don't think it'll be Urban. I think they'll screw it up. But they can hire Urban or whoever. I think the biggest loser in all of this, if it happens, is Washington and ASU. I think those guys are recruiting well above a level they'd be able to sustain with a competent coach at USC. It will hurt Oregon a little bit, but I would say it hurts Oregon 10%. It hurts them 60%. Mm-hmm. Much to, I, they just won't be able to get the type of re- Washington, especially, will not get the type of recruits they're getting down there. No doubt. Yeah. Well, you think about pitches. The Ducks have a pitch for yeah. all those kids down there. Right. They don't have to pretend to be USC because they know they can be something else. Yeah. The the problem for Washington is if I'm interested in leaving Southern California, I'm a four star prospect and I want to get out of LA. Yeah. Would I rather go there or go to Oregon? Right. I'm going to go to Oregon. Yeah, no, it's totally different. Yeah, I just I think Washington and, and ASU is coming around a little bit. They're doing a pretty good job recruiting. The, those two will be hurt the most if USC hires a competent coach. So those are our five games. Five games. And uh, we don't have to do a lock this week. Don't no. have to do a player this week. That's great. Did, yours was – wait, was your sacks or picks last week? Your I lock? had – You had sacks, I, I think. think. I had sacks. I think you got you got hosed too because – Sacks and Holland, I think, were where I went. Yeah, and I, I think you got hosed on the sacks because the pressure was – they didn't always get – I think they got three sacks. Mm-hmm. I think you said four. But they had so many pressures. Yeah. That I feel like you earned that one. Well, I think about – thank you, by the way. Yeah. There's the uh, there's the interception in the second half right. where it pretty much nuked any chance SC had. And Kayvon Thibodeau is breathing right down the quarterback's face. Oh, yeah. Like, he doesn't need to get the sack there. I give him credit for that pick just and, because yeah. he could feel him coming. And he, he had four or five of those. I mean, yeah. he was just abusing. So fun. Yeah. No, I, I think that – I think that the – the pressure alone in that game equals equals uh, the sacks that you claimed there. I didn't get my run game total, but I I do I didn't get the numbers, but that run game down the stretch was pivotal. I right. mean, they really warmed down with it, which is what I was expecting. And when you score fifty, you really can't complain about no, the offense. No, I mean, you know, I'd said on on Scoop Duck, I said Jawan Johnson's coming. He's coming. I, I even then the game that he had, I don't think. I, like I wasn't expecting that three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I knew he was coming, and I knew it was, you know, and I had wrote about it and said, "Watch for Jawan," you know. So I nailed that part of it. But like, even just to say that I predicted that, I didn't predict a three touchdown game. I mean, that was pretty special. So no credit to him. Um, yeah, I mean, gosh, right now I just look at this Oregon team. And I think, man, a healthy, just a healthy Jacob Breland. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just, just a healthy. That's all you need right now. Yeah. I mean, and you, and that's that's the way it goes. I mean. you you got everybody's got to go through injuries. Washington's injured, USC's injured, everybody's injured. But you start looking at this Oregon team, you think, man, a healthy Jacob Breeland with Juwan Johnson coming on the way he is and the run game working, it'd be smooth. Well, the Ducks yeah. have a couple weeks to figure something else out in the interim, and uh, yeah. they keep working and grinding. And we got basketball. Yeah, I, I mean, I know we're about done, but you know, big win last night. Let's talk some hoops. Oregon men start their year, Fresno State, and they get the W. Yeah. Uh, I know Dana Altman is the ultimate critic, and I appreciate that about him. Also, by the way, Oregon's winningest uh, head basketball coach, so kudos to him. But I think there's just a ton to take away positive from that game. Sure, they had some you know, breakdowns and some things they need to do, you know, maybe defending the three a little bit better, some, some certain elements to the game. But overall, first game, 
against what I will call a competent opponent. Um, I thought they looked really good. Yeah. No, I I know I am one of those people that I have to wait and see with this team. Sure. Of of I just I, I, I remember being so hyped last year and they don't live up to the hype and I tuned out. Right. I need to see a little bit more from this team before I'll invest some time. But yeah. I just know from the people that do invest that time, they're they're telling me, Matt, this is not last year's team. This is not the team that's gonna fall asleep to Texas Southern and, right. and lose games in the non con that they have no business trailing. This is a team that's gonna be really fun this month. Well, bringing in Duarte was a no-brainer, just obviously from an experience standpoint, but he clearly has leadership. He clearly meshes very well with Peyton Pritchard, which was expected given their uh, past relationship. I just think, you know, you got a guy like Francis Okoro that, you know, Dana Altman gave a lot of praise to about the time Oregon made that transition last year in basketball. A lot of that was credited towards Okoro kind of leading the charge and getting everybody going. I mean, he's another year you know, more experienced. You got to like that too. I just, I think, I don't want to say it this way, but I think you kind of had some bad seeds on the team last year and mm-hmm. they're gone and yeah. and it's going to show. No, you had, you had guys that, and this is basketball. Yeah. This is the reality of college hoops in 2019 guys that they wear the Oregon gear, but they're thinking about what they're wearing next year. Right. They're thinking about the draft yeah. and the NBA and, and their pro careers. And you just don't really build a rapport with a team like that. Well, in basketball, you know, it's different than football in the regard that one rotten apple can really infect the whole cart there yes. on the basketball. You've only got 12 guys yeah, on the roster. Yeah, you got 12 guys. One or even two bad apples really can infect everything. Football, you can have one or two, and, and they're one or two of 100. Right. You're, and, they're quarantined. You know, yeah, whatever. yeah. So, I mean, you know, the masses are going to win out there. So, yeah, if, as, as far as basketball goes, I, th- I think Dana Altman probably had his – he probably had his most trying year last year, and, and to control it the way he did is probably fairly amazing. But I, 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 I'm i I'm optimistic about this team. But, I, yeah, in no way am I sitting here saying that, you know, this is the team, they're going to win it all. Yeah. I, I think I was just a little bit – happier than expected with the last and and granted i missed two-thirds of the first half because i was watching the playoff show uh you know the the college football playoff show so i did tune in and watch the second half and uh, i think the last four-ish minutes of the first half five mm-hmm. minutes of the first half so that's as much as i saw but i was watching other duck stuff and that's okay yeah you know you, you got a bigger game coming up next week chance to cheer this team on modus center tuesday night Against a top 25 Memphis team. Yes, that's going to be – yeah, I don't know that they're ready for that yet. <laughs> I guess we're going to find out. We'll see. We'll see. No, that's going to be cool. Yeah. No, that'll be cool. And then obviously this weekend, this Saturday, the women's basketball team plays uh, against Team USA. How about that? Yeah, so really we can throw these five games out the window. Just get your ass to Matt Knight Arena and go watch the women play. There's your game. Yeah, right there's there. your game. I mean, that's it. And and this is going to be me being the geek, talking high school soccer and talking women's basketball on a football pod. But uh, the Oregon State ladies played Team USA last week. They played them pretty close. Did they? So nice. you got Sabrina. Right. Unquestioned number one player in the country. You've got Ruthie, number five on the list, last I saw from ESPN. Satu's number eight in the nation. This was ESPN like a week ago. Right. You got some talent on that team. Plus, right. uh, 
I'm a big Sedona Prince fan. She's a terror. She's going to give them a whole new dimension. Maybe they hang with Team USA. Yeah, I don't. That'd be something. They they certainly can just because the chem- chemistry. I think that's going to be a big. That's going to be their best ally in this game is they'll have chemistry. Team USA. You know, I, you know, I'm sure they're going to be good. They're going to be fantastic. But I mean, this. You know, I. Get excited. It's excited. Get excited. Go watch Number that game. Number one team in the country yeah. going up against the Stars and Stripes. Go watch that game. I yeah. mean, there's no reason not to. Football, football's off. Basketball's not playing on Saturday. Men's basketball, excuse me. Women's basketball, Team USA, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Pack, pack Matt Knight, right? What's their mantra? I don't know. Fill Matt Knight. Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> fill, fill the damn arena up. Just fill the stadium. Go. Yeah. Go watch the girls. Take your kids. I don't know. It's probably cheap. Right. I haven't looked at tickets, but it's probably cheap. Yeah. Well, we had Kelly on last month. He was saying, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to sell that out. They're going to have fun with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it'll be a blast. Yeah. So we've hit on football. We have by week. We had a we had a pretty good guest. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll say, man. Yeah. Hey, good job by you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy to get Mario Cristobal. It's not. No, it's it's honestly it, it's hard. I'll be honest. It's hard for me to plan for guests. We almost had two today. Two today, but one. Uh, the reason I I was late. The one you know on the phone. Oh, maybe next time. What? Anyways. So yeah, but we did have Mario. That's, and he was very. Uh, very giving with his time. Always. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. Mario Cristobal, uh, listen back about the five-minute mark, and he'll blow your mind like he always does. Uh, also talked men's hoops, women's hoops, and just a, a final reminder, like we do every week, hit us up. Check this out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I, I know it's on a lot of websites mm-hmm. like Stitcher and places where you want to listen to your podcasts, and we put it on Scoop Duck as well every Wednesday. If you want to listen to this, I know you can find it. Just search for Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi and uh, rate it, like it, share it, all that fun stuff, and thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. I can do this now.